welcome to today's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, with permission of the Worcester News, and recorded on Thursday the 21st of September 2023, here at Colin Chance House. I'm Evelyn Brock, editor for this edition, and with me to read for you are Moira Lowe and Sue Perry. Our recording engineer is John Plush, and we are, as usual, ably supported by the admin team, led by Carol Hartle. A warm welcome to all our listeners, especially new ones. I do hope you enjoy this week's offering. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers, birthdays and thought for the week. Nowadays, obituaries are placed following the closing music, so if you wish to hear them, please stay tuned then. Don't forget that recordings are usually available in podcasts, but at present, talking books are not available on memory sticks, but rather on CDs and tapes. Also, do let us know your birthdays so that we can greet you specially when the time comes. This service is free to users, but if you would like to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR51DA. We do like hearing from you. And a message can be left on our answer phone. That's on Worcester 01905 Or you could add a note to your wallet. If there's a problem with any aspect of your receiving recordings, please use the answer phone facility on the number I've just given and leave a message to that effect. So off we go. And the first slot is useful telephone numbers. I've already given you that for Colin Chance House. The police non-emergency, of course, 101. NHS Direct, 111. Crime Stoppers, 0800. Treble five, treble one. Worcester Hub for council matters. Worcester seven six five seven six five. Worcester here to help. Worcester seven six eight zero five three and request option three. Community risk, particularly the team for fire safety. Zero eight treble zero three two double one double five Domestic Abuse zero eight double zero nine eight zero treble three one Samaritans one one six one two three and that's a free phone number Worcester Theatres Worcester six double one four two seven Malvern Theatre zero one six eight four eight nine two 
277. And the National Grid, particularly for that priority service register, 0800-0328-302. So now, next, it's birthdays. Moira. Okay, so birthdays this week are on the 26th, Sandra Kelly, and on the 27th, Philip Oak. So when we get there, happy birthday. I've also got thought for the week, which is from Matthew seven twenty four to 27. Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fail because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Thank you, Moira. Well, now it's time for the week's headline articles, and Moira's going to start us off with that. Okay, so my first headline is from Friday, September the 15th. Barrage of horn honking is an up yours. Defiant boy racers sounded a barrage of late-night car horns outside a McDonald's drive-thru, despite new cameras to curb antisocial behaviour. A resident who lives close to Blackpool Retail Park in Worcester said he felt McDonald's and police should do more to stop the ongoing antisocial antics of drivers outside the fast food restaurant which is open 24 hours. The incident started at around 10.50pm on Tuesday and the resident, who did not wish to be identified, estimated eight cars were involved. He believes the way to stop them may be to take their cars off them under Section 59 of the Police Reform Act 2002. In the recent past, the same resident says he has seen drivers performing donuts late at night in the retail park. He had hoped the new system would begin to give residents more peace and quiet. He said the honking lasted 12 minutes. It was an absolute barrage of horn honking. It was totally deliberate and designed to antagonise and say up yours to the residents. The new ANPR camera system just gives them a get out of jail free card by way of thinking. My way of thinking is that because of this system in place, it should put the responsibility on McDonald's. The problem isn't going to go away. It's almost a sticking plaster approach. The drivers are breaking the law and the police should be sorting them out. I rang the police on 101. I gave up after being on hold for 25 minutes. I feel McDonald's are not doing enough themselves. It is because McDonald's is open that there is a problem. They would not be there if there was no McDonald's. The Worcester News understands the cameras have been introduced to mitigate potential antisocial behaviour. The intention is the new measures do not affect genuine customers with devices provided for them to log their car registrations if they visit within restricted hours. Parking is now prohibited between 9pm and 6am at both retail parks, with enforcement managed by UK Parking Control and drivers facing fines of up to £100. Elgar Retail Park and the Blackpool Retail Park both now have the signs and cameras. Councillor Jill Desiree 
is campaigning against the possibility of another drive-through, rumoured to be a Starbucks at Algar Retail Park, with a peaceful protest this Saturday. She said, It appears that drive-through businesses can avoid licensing restrictions that other sorts of businesses must comply with. This is perhaps one reason why they are so popular with food retailers. However, the antisocial fallout is both considerable and persistent. Certainly, these appalling examples of nighttime misbehaviour at McDonald's redoubles my determination to object to any more such businesses appearing at either the Blackpool or Elgar retail parks. As regards McDonald's, I am seeking assistance and advice from Worcestershire Regulatory Services on these issues and what, if anything, can be done about them. Safer Neighbourhood Inspector for Worcester City, Tanya Beckett, said... SNT are aware of these incidents and we have already been in court to actively patrol and have already identified individuals that contribute to this antisocial behaviour. We will be contacting the owners of the businesses at the retail park and the owners of the estate about the issues here, including the possibility of restricting the use of the car park at night. We continue to work with the community, retailers and the council to respond to these concerns. We would urge members of the public to report any incidents via our website at Reporter Crime, West Mercia Police. Alternatively, information can be shared anonymously with the independent charity Crime Stoppers on 0800 or by visiting www.crimestoppers-org.uk. McDonald's has also been approached for a comment. September the 16th to the 17th. The headline is Woman Shaken by Devastating Flat Blaze. A shocked disabled woman returned home to find her kitchen gutted by a fire, one of her cats missing and her little kitten rushing to the vet after he was saved. Phoebe Hall has taken home from work when she learned her kitchen had been destroyed by a fire caused by a suspected electrical fault with the plugs at her ground floor flat in Crickley, Crickley Drive in Warnden, Worcester. The fire began at around 10am yesterday, which was Friday, with three crews from the Worcester Fire Station arriving to tackle the blaze. The kitten was cut as the Warnden flat fire gutted young woman's kitchen the little black kitten had to be placed on oxygen and rushed to the vet for emergency care. The 20-year-old shy and <coughs> timid female grey cat Pablo, too, fled during the blaze, but, that was, but was found yesterday afternoon. Her 12-week-old kitten, Rocco, had to be taken by ambulance to the vet with oxygen tubes placed down his throat after a firefighter saw him trying to get out of a window and saved him by breaking the glass. She thanked the fire crew and described the firefighter who saved Rocco's life as a hero. The window was on the latch and he was trying to get through the gap but he couldn't get out. A firefighter smashed the window and got him out and they had to put oxygen down his throat and took him to the emergency vets in an ambulance. We have lost everything in the kitchen and everything else has suffered smoke damage. I'm a wheelchair user and I suffer seizures. <coughs> when I have a seizure, I can't use my legs. 
stress increases the risk of seizures. I'm a bit shaken. Miss Hall said her partner, who also cares for her and, f- and her family, had arrived to support her then. She left work at the Myriad Centre in Worcester after a neighbour called 999. Miss Hall, who also works at Worcestershire Royal Hospital as a healthcare assistant at the acute medical unit, arrived home to discover the damage. <coughs> the Myriad Centre has been amazing and very supportive, she said. She has been told that she will have to stay at a hotel for the weekend as the flat is not habitable in its current condition. A spokesperson for the Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said the flames were extinguished by two firefighters wearing breathing apparatus and using one hose reel jet with a covering jet. All people were accounted for and the property was ventilated using positive pressure ventilation. One cat was rescued and left in the care of the local vets due to smoke inhalation. Now the headline article from Monday, September the 18th. Thieves armed with, in inverted commas, pit bull in shop raid. Pair stole vapes, lighters and toy robots. And the subheading, did store theft pair have dog for defence? Thieves with a large dog broke into a city centre shop and stole hundreds of vapes, lighters and toy robots. Raja Akar, owner of the giveaway in Newport Street, Worcester, had thousands of pounds worth of product stolen from his shop in the early hours of Tuesday, September the 12th. Video footage shows the pair entering and leaving Mr Akar's store with a dog which he suspects to be a pit bull, at 4.13am. Mr Akhar said the thieves stole more than £2,000 worth of goods, including 700 vapes, 100 toy robots, shower gels, lighters and various small items. I was bed-bound for two days, trying to find the strength to go on, he said. We are a small, independent business trying to succeed in a competitive world. So I do not get why someone would do something like that to a small shop that is just breaking even. He hopes police can run forensics to help identify the thieves and potentially retrieve some of his stock. He has also voiced concerns about the dog the individuals brought into the shop and fears they had it as a weapon to use against anyone who interrupted the burglary. Imagine if they let their dog on someone. This is all theoretical, but if it bit someone's arm or took a chunk out of someone's leg, that's the scariest part. These people need to be stopped. They have not gone in with crowbars, but with a defence. The door of the shop is broken and cannot be fixed, he said, until police come round and look at the property. Until then, the store has remained closed to stop customers from contaminating the crime scene. 
I'm dead in the water until someone comes and looks around, he added. Mr Akhar also said he might even be forced to move his shop to a place with shutters to prevent further thefts. West Mercia Police said it is investigating the break-in and attempting to contact Mr Akhar. Okay, my headline is from Tuesday, September the 19th and on the subject of dogs, XL bully ban a knee-jerk reaction. Councillor says move will push ownership underground. And there's a, a picture of a XL bully. A leading city councillor has called the proposed ban on American XL bully dogs a knee-jerk reaction which could push breeding underground. Last week, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak announced that the breed would be banned at the end of the year. However, Councillor Richard Udall, Chairman of the Licensing and Environmental Health Committee at Worcester City Council, said owners were the problem and licences were needed to ensure only trained owners could keep the breed. He said, I'm not sure banning dogs under the Dangerous Dogs Act is a good idea. I always believe the dogs are not the problem, the problem is usually the dog owner. I fear knee-jerk reactions like a ban will just push ownership underground and create an illegal market for the dogs, putting them into the hands of the irresponsible dog owners and people who want to own them as a weapon or as a status symbol. We need to issue licences to the owners, make sure they know and understand the breed and only allow responsible and trained owners to have a licence and to breed the dogs. The call for the ban follows several attacks by XL bullies, including Ian Price, 52, who died after being attacked by two suspected XL bullies in the Staffordshire village of Stonall on Thursday. XL bully puppies are still available to buy in Worcester, despite the impending ban at the end of the year. On Gumtree, a listing for XL bully puppies in Worcester describes the dogs as having perfect temperament and being from a top-quality bloodline. In response to the listing, Councillor Udall said, At the moment it's still legal to advertise the pups for sale, but I would urge people not to buy unless they are competent, trained and have an understanding of the breed. All dogs can bite and all dogs are capable of causing harm. I would prefer to see these types of dogs which can kill to be only available to licensed experts of the breed. Robin Walker MP, a self-proclaimed dog lover, has backed the ban and believes the government is right to take rapid action. He said, The approach of formally defining the breed and then asking owners to register and get their dogs neutered and to not undertake to breed from them seems a sensible precaution and I hope will limit the risks of attacks on humans or other animals. I am a dog lover and I think that in the vast majority of cases responsible owners can be trusted to keep dogs safely but it appears that this particular breed has been targeted by people who have sought to use it as a threat and it is the irresponsible owners and breeders who need to be dealt with. Wednesday, September the 20th. The headline is Bomb Drama Brings City to Standstill. Army Detonates Artillery Shell Found in River. A live artillery shell brought the city centre to a standstill as police closed off the main bridge. 
Magnet fishers pulled the shell from the River Severn, leading to the emergency services being called yesterday. Due to the reports of an unexpected bomb, police blocked off the A44 outside Worcester Cathedral at 11am, with cars being diverted back towards Sidbury. Already experiencing long delays due to roadworks in London Road. The device was later blown up in a field near Powick. Worcester Bridge was closed due to the unexploded ordnance being discovered in the River Severn near the bridge. Police shouted, Turn around to a canal boat as it approached the bridge, while others shouted, There's a bomb! The device was moved by a soldier to South Quay, which was closed off, where it was x-rayed by experts before being taken to a field near the catch. People gathered on Worcester Bridge to watch the action, while New Road to Deansway was closed by police. The bridge and all other roads later reopened, but the closures caused heavy traffic throughout the city centre throughout the afternoon. At 1.30pm, police issued a warning to residents there would be a loud explosion as the device was to be blown up in a field near Powick. The bomb disposal experts, along with police officers, gathered on the field near the catch viewpoint, where a flash of fire and smoke could be seen. Police revealed that the device was a live artillery shell containing black powder inside, and our reporter was on the scene as the bomb disposal experts blew up the device. And this article was well illustrated from pictures of the key, uh, where people heard the loud bang, and closure, roads with no traffic on, just a few pedestrians walking, I should guess, quickly. <laughs> And, of course, the open fields around the Ketch and near Powick, where the device was detonated. Finally, several pictures of the police presence um, and the police closing traffic in the city centre. So today's headline carries on from that, but from a slightly different perspective. So the headline is Stop Magnet Fishing, Bomb Experts Play After uh, Alerting City. Um, magnet fishers have been urged to stop their extremely dangerous hobby because someone could die after an unexploded bomb was found in the city. Lucy Tiveria, a bomb expert, said any physical interaction with an unexploded bomb <laughs> could lead to injury or death if it detonates and the rising magnet fishing poses a risk. Worcester Bridge was closed on Tuesday due to unexploded ordnance discovered in the River Severn near the bridge. A significant emergency service presence was at the river, which brought the city to a standstill. Ms Tiveria, General Manager of UK Land UXO, said, This is not the first time that a magnet fishing hobbyist has discovered unexploded ordnance and brought a city to a standstill. It's a hobby that is growing as much in risk as it is in popularity. Earlier this year, two further unexploded grenades were pulled from a canal in the same city of Worcester. 
What needs to be understood is that any physical interaction with an unexploded bomb could result in detonation and ultimately injury or even death. After all, ordnance is designed to kill. Thankfully, in today's case in Worcester, no one was hurt. As experts in the field, we work tirelessly to clear our land from unexploded ordnance, UXO, and keep people safe. The Canal and River Trust has told magnet fishers to stop as war bombs do not pose a risk until they are out of the river and in a dry area. The Canal and River Trust added that even if a bomb is not found, heavy or sharp objects could drag magnet fishers into the water. A spokesman said, And of course, there are instances like this one where people fish out old war bombs that do not present a risk while they are in the water, but once back out in the dry can be hazardous. It added, for those keen on fishing, there are lots of ways to do this as an alternative to magnet fishing. And, if you're keen on helping to clean up the canal, why not join one of our regular volunteering groups? In response, James Drewball, a magnet fisher for over five years, said, Groups pull tonnes and tonnes of scrap metal on a regular basis that has been polluting the local waterways. I have done magnet fishing for years and have never pulled a bomb out. It is not safer, but it is better than a child pulling it out, or, after a flood, it floating down the stream and hitting something. He added magnet fishers also collect fishing hooks and wires, which could be getting stuck in animals, and teams work alongside boaters who alert them to metalwork getting caught on their boat. Thank you, Moira. Well, now it's time for an article on sport. And this one, from today... Thursday the 21st of September, has a single word as its heading, frustrating. MP blasts a lack of communication over warriors' takeover. A lack of communication around the WASP's director taking over Worcester Warriors is, and I quote, frustrating to hear, according to Robin Walker, MP. A statement from WASPs has confirmed that a loan it made was not paid back in time, which led to 97% of shares being transferred to Lockswood. Lockswood Holdings Limited, Christopher Holland's company which bought WASPs out of administration, was made the person with significant control. The Worcester MP said he is disappointed at the lack of communication about the new majority ownership. Mr Walker said, I was enormously frustrated to hear this latest news coming out of the club. There has been no information from Atlas about this, which is not good at all. The key thing we need to know is how can we get professional rugby to return? I had heard some discussions from the RFU and the PRL about the possibility of returning at the level below, but I have no idea what is happening now. I really want to know where the new owner is coming from. It's concerning, because the new owner may not have the love for Worcester and the club that the fans do. I would urge the new owner to listen to the fan base. We need professional rugby back under the Worcester Warriors banner. We all want to see professional rugby return to six ways, but surprises like this along the way are not helpful at all. 
the new owners said they had no interest in the property other than for their original purpose of leasing Six Ways Stadium for five years for a possible return of wasps. Instead, they pledged to protect the club until a suitable qualified entity is found for the future. It said, whilst that shareholding controls the interest in the long lease of six ways, as well as the IP, Brandon Chattels of Worcester Warriors, our only interest remains in the option to lease the stadium for five years from May 2024. We will protect the interest in the long lease and the IP, brand and chattels of Worcester Warriors until a suitably qualified entity is identified. We have no interest whatsoever in the property. Um, this, this article is about um, a care home um, which has been up for a national award. And this is um, Perry Manor in Worcester. A care home in Worcester has taken um, the commitment but above and beyond. The team at Care UK's Perry Manor on Charles Hastings Way has been shortlisted in the Leaders Care Awards 2023 for the Innovation in Care Homes category. The Leaders in Care Homes were the reward of excellence and innovation in, in UK care homes, celebrating the achievements of care providers and the suppliers that serve them. The award Perry Manor is nominated for recognises providers that have come up with creative ways to support team members and improve outcomes for the individuals over the last year. The team at Perry Manor have been recognised for their innovative approach and commitment to going above and beyond residential respite and dementia care. The home works closely with the local integrated care board and in identified a demand in community um, for the community for specialist care, launching a brand new high needs suite to meet the care requests of the region, with space for fourteen residents at the Malvern Suite provides specialist one-to-one care for people with complex neurological conditions, including dementia. The service's ethos is underpinned by the choice to only admit one new resident at a time every four weeks, as this enables the team to focus on the new person as they settle in, whilst also maintaining the well-being of other residents. As a result, the home has developed a reputation for deeply person-centred care. Home manager Catherine Matthews, who was named as a winner in the Nursing Older People category in the RCN Nursing Awards 2022, is a crucial part of management team at Perry Manor and keeps the complex dementia suite operating smoothly. In addition, the home was recently awarded for its work on the collaborative project with Local Primary Care Network by the Herefordshire and Worcestershire Integrated Care System. The team at Perry Manor is dedicated to working closely with families to help them to connect with their loved ones. 
For example, dementia training sessions are offered to relatives as well as to team members, enabling them to feel less isolated and helping them uncover new ways of communicating with their loved ones. In addition, relatives are encouraged to take an active role and contribute to the development of Perry Manor's unique dementia service by becoming service ambassadors and attending regular coffee mornings. Catherine said, We're delighted that Perry Manor has announced as, uh, been announced as a finalist in the Innovative Care Homes category at this year's Leaders in Care Awards 2023. The team works incredibly hard to support residents to lead fulfilling lives through compassionate, person-centred care, and this shortlisting is a wonderful recognition of their dedication. Everyone at Perry Manor is constantly looking for ways to improve the lives of residents, and each individual is pivotal to the home's ongoing success. As a very proud home manager, I would like to say a big thank you to each and every member of the team for their ongoing commitment. We're keeping our fingers crossed for a win. To find out more about Perry Manor, email Customer Relations Manager Silpa Adrida on shilpaycareuk.com or call 01905 885. Well, my article is um, a bit contentious, really. Um, it's headed with a photograph of lines of traffic along the North Parade next to the river and next to the old rectifying house near the Butts and Bridge Street. And this is because... The heading is the most polluted streets revealed. Two streets are exceeding the legal limit for harmful pollution, according to a report that has revealed the city's most poisoned areas. The Butts tops the list of Worcester's contaminated streets, with the historic city centre thoroughfare regularly home to long traffic queues and congestion. The report, which details pollution levels at more than 30 locations across the city, shows that receptors placed outside Magdala Court in the Butts registered an average of 43.9 micrograms per cubic metre of pollution in the air in 2022, higher than the legal limit of 40. Another receptor placed at the junction of Aswood Road and Rainbow Hill in Worcester also showed a worrying average, with its reading not far behind at 41.5 micrograms per cubic metre of air last year, meaning both are displaying illegal limits of pollution. The top 10 worst polluted locations in 2022 were... Magdala Court, The Butts, Astwood Road, Rainbow Hill, Bridge Street, Fourgate Street, The Tithing, Upper Tithing, George Street, Fourgate Street, Shaw Street, Lowesmore, and All Saints Road. 
both locations registered higher readings in single months throughout the year, with neither managing to clock below 40 in more than half of the months in 2022 and only falling below 38 micrograms per cubic metre of air in the butts in just one month last year. The remaining top 10 worst polluted areas in Worcester, excluding the Butts and Astwood Road, all registered average readings of 35 micrograms per cubic metre of air or higher, with many dangerously close to exceeding the legal 40 limit. The other locations to make the top 10 worst include two in the Tithing, Upper Tithing, Bridge Street, Fourgate Street, George Street, Lowesmore and All Saints Road. According to the report by Worcestershire Regulatory Services, WRS, Bridge Street had an average reading of 39.1 micrograms per cubic metre of air in 2022, with Fourgate Street and the Tithing both at 38.8 and upper tithing at 38.7 micrograms per cubic metre of air. The city's George Street had a reading of 38.3, the heavily congested junction of Fourgate Street and Shaw Street, which leads on from the city's worst spot, the Butts, registered an average of 37.6 in 2022. The average reading for Lowesmore was 36.2 and the yearly average for All Saints Road, which leads on to Busy Dean's Way, was 35.9 micrograms per cubic metre of air last year. The entire city was classified as an air quality management area in 2019 because of worrying levels of pollution. The report said... All but one of the more than 30 receptors across the city saw readings increase from 2021 to 2022, although it admits the previous year, which was still affected by COVID-19, was not a standard one and unfair for comparison. WRS said readings across the city were, on average, nearly a fifth lower in 2022 than they were in 2018, the last non-COVID year. Okay, uh, my story is swimming class fraud. A city swim school that suddenly closed without notice has been reported to action fraud. Nemo Swim School, which used the pool at New College in Whittington Road, Worcester, closed suddenly earlier this month, telling parents they would not be refunded. The swim school was not connected with New College and hired the venue for its lessons. Now, Action Fraud has confirmed that the business is being assessed by a division of the City of London Police. Pauline Smith, head of Action Fraud, said... Action Fraud can confirm that it received the complaint on September the 4th, 2023, and it is currently being assessed by the National Fraud Intelligence Bureau, or NFIB, at the City of London Police. Scott Allen McKenzie, who ran the Nemo Swim School, previously said that no fraud has been committed. Worcester News has attempted to contact Mr McKenzie in relation to this article, but has received no response. 
Parents of children at the swim school received a WhatsApp message from Mr McKenzie on behalf of the business telling them the swim school has closed with immediate effect. The WhatsApp message said, Sorry for the delay in coming back to you about the new term. I have come to the extremely sad decision that I have to cease trading as Nemo Swim School with immediate effect. For the last month I have been working tirelessly to raise enough money to continue trading. But due to the economic crisis that we all find ourselves in, a downturn in memberships and increases in pool fees, I have no other option. After a long meeting with my solicitor yesterday, there is no other feasible way of continuing. This has been the hardest year of my life. He went on to mention that refunds cannot be offered and said that no fraud had been committed in a separate email statement. Action Fraud is the National Reporting Centre for Fraud and Cybercrime in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. It takes reports from members of the public and businesses on behalf of the police. The reports made to Action Fraud are then sent to the National Fraud Intelligence Bureau, which is run by the City of London Police. The Bureau analyses reports for possible lines of inquiry and immediate disruption opportunities. Once a report has been analysed, the victim will be informed of the next steps and whether or not it has been passed to a police force to consider investigative opportunities. A decision is due over a centre. A decision on whether to push ahead with a building, new training centre in Dines Green is set to be made. The new building block centre is set to be built at the Green Hub in Gresham Road, Dines Green, Worcester, and will provide training for a range of trades and skills. A decision will be made by Worcester City Council's planning committee at a meeting in the Guildhall today, Thursday, September the 21st. The plan will be discussed in public as the application is being made by the City Council and the City Council's planning officers have recommended it is approved. The proposed skills training centre would result in a number of social and public benefits for the area and wider city along with a number of ecological benefits for the site itself. The report recommending and approval said the new skills centre would be run by Worcester's Community Trust and will be offering courses in literacy and IT, customer service training, as well as bricklaying, carpentry, plumbing and green trades such as solar and heat pump installation engineers. Worcester City Council submitted the planning application in July for the work which has been designed to emulate the success of the first building block centre in Warndon. Some changes have been made based on feedback made after the planning application was submitted, including a request by St John's Councillor Matt Lamb to change the proposed colour from red to green. Building the new training centre would um, result in the loss of eight parking spaces and an extra six cycling spaces and an electric vehicle charging point would be provided. The workshop and classroom could hold up to 60 people, but the training courses are expected to attract between 24 and 30 people, needing to use both teaching spaces at one time. 
The courses would take place during the weekend and the rooms might also be hired out for other courses at weekends in the future. The new building block, Training Centre in Dines Green, is one of several projects in the city that has used almost £20 million of government money and it's the town's fund money, including new Three Counties Medical School at the former Worcester News offices in Hilton Road and the new Keypax Bridge from Gallivelt Park. Well, I'm sure we've all heard a great deal about the the Worcester Half Marathon. But here's an event similar, but perhaps less well-publicised, but no less worthy. Running Ace joins families for Fun Run. Families donned running vests and fancy dress costumes for a fun run with a difference found Paula's Families on Track, founded by running legend Paula Radcliffe, sees teams work together to run 10k in a relay. The event took place on Pitchcroft on Saturday, ahead of the Worcester City Half Marathon and other races. Family members taking part were able to choose between three course lengths for each lap they complete, either a kilometre 500 metres or 250 metres and kept going until they'd completed 10k in total. Runners were given t-shirts and medals for taking part as well as spot prizes of woolly hats. Some dressed as dinosaurs, cave people, sumo wrestlers, even Paula was persuaded to wear a unicorn inflatable for some of her laps and there's a very good picture of her doing just that. Somewhat unsurprisingly, the team featuring former Olympian and three-time London Marathon winner Paula were the first to cross the line. The team also included Paula's son, Ralph, and the Oliver family from Worcester, Mum, Joanne, Dad, Ben, and sisters, Poppy and Millie. They would won a social media competition to have the honour of teaming up with Paula. Joanne said it was Poppy's love for running and the success she's had in races despite undergoing operations on a cleft palate that led them to be chosen. Paula said Worcester is always such a great event. People get dressed up, all the families really get involved and we have a great time. She also revealed how another running legend helped come up with the idea for the event. The idea came after I did a 10k with my daughter and we did it as a relay. I did 7k, she did 3, Paula said. It was really good to do it together. Then I was talking to Steve Cram and he suggested doing the laps in a loop with a central bit in the middle. Taking part is always really good fun and Worcester is always brilliant, even though it's a tough time of year with the children being back at school. A new cohort of students are the first to enjoy the newly refurbished sixth form centre at RGS Worcester, which includes a cafe, social hub and study areas. Education bosses at the historic site say that the centre is set to elevate the educational experience for students and create a modern environment for learning and personal growth. 
The revamped sixth form centre includes Joe's Cafe that serves an array of food and drinks, a social meeting area and two dedicated study areas, one to encourage teamwork and discussion and a second area for silent study. The whole development project came from discussion with sixth form students about their study habits and the ways in which they work. With the school's digital learning programme, students are able to use technology in their study areas to enhance learning. Information about the sixth form is also shared with them via the screens placed in key areas. RGS Worcester has a dedicated sixth form team led by Mark Everts. Mr Everts said... In the heart of our school, the Sixth Form Centre's refurbishment has created an environment that offers our students the flexibility to tailor their learning environment. Collaboration one day, deep-focused individual work the next, we empower our pupils to realise their potential, foster ambition and pave the way for incredible opportunities in their futures. The Sixth Form Centre is a reflection of our commitment to them and their continued success. View the new centre at the open day on September the 23rd or the 6th form open day on November the 11th, 2023. A councillor has called for a 30-minute charge to be reintroduced at the city's car parks. Tory councillor Stephen Hodgson has called on Worcester City Council to bring back half-hour rates for parking in Worcester less than six months after they were scrapped. Half-hour charges were scrapped when parking fees at City Council-owned car parks went up for the first time in 14 years in April, forcing drivers to pay for an hour. Councillor Hodgson, who represents Warnden Parish North, will use next week's full council meeting in the Guildhall to make the call for the charge to be restored. Regretfully, the 30-minute short-stay fee was removed, meaning users were forced to pay for an hour, even if they didn't need to spend that time there. At a typical car park, the use of a parking space for half an hour effectively up from 60 pence to pound fifty, inflation-busting increase of 150%, albeit with the additional 30 minutes included. When the new charges were introduced, car park users were exasperated by these new tariffs. Councillor Hodgson said councillors should look at reintroducing the 30-minute fee as soon as possible to help those who just need to make a brief visit in the city centre. The price of parking in council-owned car parks has not moved since 2009 despite rising costs and inflation, and free parking had been offered during the run-up to Christmas for several years. The -the across-the-board increases meant drivers faced a rise in in charges of up to 25% or 60 pence for parking two hours at the city's busiest car parks. The council believed that increased charges could raise about £350,000 extra a year. Council bosses said that the price of running its 14 car parks had risen by almost 8% since 2001, and the money it brought in from charges, which was the council's single biggest source of income and and generates about £3 million a year, needed to rise so that it 
at least kept pace with costs. The fee increase proved to be a contentious issue. When it came to setting this year's council budget, with the then Tory and council leader Chris Mitchell angered by the proposed rise, this led to the Conservatives voting against the council's own budget, but it was nevertheless still passed with the support of Labour, the Greens and the Lib Dems. Fears over sites future. What site, you may ask? Well, it's the former Costa Coffee building just opposite the Guildhall. And the fears are over the relocation of Costa Coffee further along the high street. A historian said a heritage building in Worcester should not stay boarded up after Costa Coffee decided to move locations. Daniel Daniels, chair for the Battle of Worcester Society, said he had received many inquiries over the future of the former Costa Coffee building opposite the Guildhall on High Street. The building is notable for having the death mask of William Guise, a Worcester citizen who played a crucial role in the Battle of Worcester by alerting Oliver Cromwell of the Royalist plans to attack the city during the English Civil War. Costa Coffee opened its new store in the former Paper Chase building, also on High Street, leaving the historical venue behind. The branch closed its doors for the final time on Wednesday, September the 13th, and all staff have now moved to the new location. The building was previously the Golden Lion Pub, with a statue of the animal still sitting on the building's wall after a campaign to see the statue returned after it was removed because of storm damage. It's believed that the Golden Lion existed as a pub from at least the 16th century. The Grade II listed building was once a medieval merchant's house, believed to have been built in the late 14th or early 15th century. However, residents have begun to speculate what the historic building will be. We would not like to see it locked up and people not being able to see anything, Mr Daniels said. We should commend and be proud of our heritage. It should not be boarded up. It would be nice to have something more accessible for people. It would be good to see something else done. But we need to know who owns it and their plans before commenting on what we would like. Despite this, he did say he would favour a museum commemorating the site. William Guise was hanged after revealing the royalist plans to Oliver Cromwell and a death mask was created of his face and put inside the building. Mr Daniels hopes everyone will be able to see the mask again and learn its cultural significance to the city. He was caught, hanged and a death mask was made and set in the wall at the back of the shop. It's significant and Cromwell even rewarded his widow. He was one of the few ordinary citizens remaining in history, and everyone knows of Oliver Cromwell, but he was just a citizen. It is not currently known what 
will happen to the former Costa Coffee building. The new Costa Coffee opened on Friday, September the 15th. It will be interesting, won't it, to see what uh, they are allowed to do with the building. And as Oliver Cromwell himself said, it is, for aught I know, a crowning mercy. Okay, cemetery wall bashed down. Damage has been caused to a city cemetery during roadworks after a vehicle was too big to fit through the entrance. The entrance to St John's Cemetery from McIntyre Road is being accessed for paving works which are in the process of being carried out. A pillar on the left-hand side of the entrance was knocked down by workers who were unable to get through the entrance and the gate was removed with an angle grinder. Worcester City Council said the pillar was deliberately removed in order to provide access for the vehicle to the site and added the damage will be fixed. A Worcester City Council spokesperson said, Worcester City Council is resurfacing the footpaths and driveways in the grounds of St John's Cemetery to improve access for the public. The wall will be restored once the work has been completed. Workers ran into problems getting the large lorry onto the site on Wednesday morning, September the 13th. However, people living near the cemetery worry antisocial behaviour might increase while the cemetery's gates are out of action. One resident said, We have had an antisocial behaviour happening in this cemetery before, and without a gate, that is just inviting people to come in at all hours. Another said, Quite honestly, it was rather painful to watch. There were about seven of the workers scratching their heads in the morning when they realised the vehicles were too big. We've had to move our vehicles all morning to accommodate the work as well, which would not have been an issue if we had some prior warning. Councillor Richard Udall, Worcestershire County Councillor and Worcester City Councillor for St John's Ward, said he was pleased work had started at the cemetery. He said the gate and wall had to be demolished to get the equipment onto the site to resurface the road, but the wall will be rebuilt and the gate returned once the work has been completed. A lot more work is to take place over the winter months, including the pruning of trees and planting new ones. I have asked officers to erect a sign at the cemetery which will advise residents and visitors about the work. Weights for autism diagnoses in Herefordshire and Worcestershire exceed the recommended limit for four in five patients new figures show. Autism is a lifelong condition which impacts on how people communicate and interact with the world. It is normally diagnosed at a young age, although some may receive a diagnosis as teenagers or into adulthood. The National Autistic Society expressed concerns over the long waits, which it said can increase patients' likelihood of reaching crisis point and called on the government to invest in diagnosis services. The NHS digital figures show around 60 of 70 adults and children suspected of having autism in Herefordshire and Worcestershire were waiting at least 13 weeks for a diagnosis in June. Of those, 45 were under 18. However, it was a decrease from last year's figures when those who were forced to wait beyond the recommended time during the same period were 40. Across England, more than 143,000 people were waiting for autism assessment in June, around £20,000 more 
than last year. Of those, more than 118,000 had a referral that had been open for longer than the recommended time. Mel Merritt, Head of Policy and Campaigns at the National Autistic Society, said waiting lists will continue to grow unless urgent long-term funding for diagnosis services is, is sorry, provided. She added... People don't often get the right help and support without an autism diagnosis and long waits for diagnosis and support can leave people in a difficult situation and increase their likelihood of reaching crisis point. The government must invest in diagnosis services as set out in the National Autism Strategy to reduce waiting times and ensure all autistic children, young people and adults get the support that they need. In Herefordshire and Worcestershire, around 10 patients seen in June had waited for more than 13 weeks to get their first appointment. A Department of Health and Social Care spokesperson said, We know it's vital to have a timely diagnosis of autism. NHS England recently published a national framework of operational guidance to set out how children, young people and adults can receive a timely assessment. We've made 4.2 million available this year to improve services for autistic children and young people. We expect integrated care boards and NHS trusts to follow the clinical guidelines on autism published by the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. And this year we are also updating the statutory guidance on autism to support the NHS and local authorities to deliver improved outcomes for autistic people. Well, the next article is another sports article, but I'm reading it in the light of the great success that we're noticing nowadays of women in areas of sport which have hitherto been male province. Of course, the national football team is the prime example. But this article is for Worcestershire, and it's about women's cricket grows ever stronger in county. Women's cricket continues to go from strength to strength in Worcestershire, where the success of the Rapids team reflects the upward curve of the game in the county. Captain Chloe Hill and all-rounder Claire Boycott have seen massive changes in the women's game at county, regional and international level during their long and loyal service to the county. Hill has been part of the Worcestershire setup for a decade, Boycott has clocked up more than 200 appearances since her debut for the under-11s. The progression has translated itself into two trophies in two years, with the ECB County T20 Cup Group 2 in 2022 and the West Midlands Regional Cup this summer. That second success highlighted the strength of depth in the women's game in the area. The Rapids were missing five players for finals day following their selection for the 100, four through the wildcard system, but still came out on top against a strong Staffordshire side. International recognition has been forthcoming to Rapids players following the breakthrough of spinner Sarah Glenn into the full England setup four years ago. 
Emily Arlott came through the pathway and has been selected for English squads. Ellie Anderson and Charis Parvely followed and the same route to earn England under-19 call-up. The duo were part of the side which reached the ICC under-19 World Cup final in South Africa last winter, with Anderson named in the team of the tournament after her efforts with the ball. Boycott, who was part of the Central Spark squad until this summer, said, It's mad looking back how it has changed so much. With counties now, the players have got so many opportunities to go on to become professional women's cricketers. Hill, who played for Central Sparks before moving to South Vipers on her first professional contract, said, The strength and depth of the pathway age groups is pretty exciting to see. It's really bright for the future, and you know that Worcestershire cricket is going to be in good hands. The University of Worcester has been ranked in the Times and the Sunday Times Good University Guide for 2024. The prestigious guide released today, which was Friday, September the 15th, has seen the University of Worcester ranked as the 15th best university in the Midlands and the 103rd best in the UK. The university has fallen from ninth in the West Midlands from last year's list, but has risen in the national rankings from 110 last year. The University of Warwick is the number one university in the Midlands, according to the Times and Sunday Times Good University Guide 2024. Harper Adams University has won Specialist University of the Year, and the University of Nottingham has been awarded Sports University of the Year. The full list of the Midlands University's rankings can be seen in the embedded table below, which actually there isn't, I'm afraid, attached. Taking the top spot for all universities in the UK was University College London, with the University of Exeter coming in second. Helen Davies, editor of the Times and the Sunday Times Good University Guide, said, The higher education landscape has never been tougher. It is more competitive to get a place at many of our top institutions. The cost of attending university has soared, leaving graduates with extraordinary debt, and in many cases, campus life still bears the scars of the pandemic. Meanwhile, lecturers are on strike and the marking crisis is a running scandal. It means any prospective student, parent or carer needs to think hard about whether university is the right choice, and then where to study and what subject. It's where this guide, our 30th edition, is here to help. Our online, online version has so much more on how the universities compare subject by subject. A guide on campus life and what scholarships and bursaries may be on offer. We are here to champion the ambitious work of our first class universities and the aspirations of any student of any age who wants to keep on learning. We have approached the University of Worcester for a comment on their ranking. Helpful water saving tips and free cost cutting devices, complimentary children's books and general advice and support will be on offer when Seven Trent visits Worcester City Centre. The team will be calling into Crowngate Shopping Centre in Bell Square today, Thursday, September the 21st. 
Running between 9am and 5pm, there will also be free advice on how to save water and energy around the home, including how to use Seven Trent's free leak detection service and where to get free water-saving devices such as shower timers and slow-release water gels for the garden. (coughs) Along with that, free children's books that provide a fun and informative um, twist on the water-related subjects will also be handed out. Teams will also be on hand to chat about Seven Trent's Community Fund, which has donated more than 400,000 to 17 projects in the county since 2020, including the Old Needleworks Foundations, Wild Goose Rural Training and Droitwich First Responder. David Cork, Community Engagement Engineer at Seven Trent, said, We are really looking forward to getting out of the city of Worcester to speak to people and offer as much advice as possible. It's a great opportunity to learn more about what we offer and support we can give, as well as learning more about what we're planning for Worcester over the next few years. Our team will be on hand for two days, so if you would like to have a chat, want to find out more, grab yourself some free goodies, then come down to Crowngate Shopping Centre and we will only be too happy to help. Over the last few years, Seven Trent has invested hundreds of millions into improving nearly 10,000 kilometres of pipe work across Worcestershire, including 1.6 million Upton on Seven flood resilience scheme. For more, visit www.stwater.co.uk. Right, this next article has the very unusual heading. Man wanted return to jail. A 34-year-old man cut off his electronic ankle tag days after being released from prison so he would be sent back after finding life outside too difficult. Benjamin Parkinson of Ombersley Road, Worcester, said he should have dealt with life after release in a much better way during his appearance on a video link to Worcester Magistrates Court. We reported on Parkinson being jailed earlier this year for terrorising his former partner by hitting her and threatening to kill her, ignoring a court order preventing him from any contact with his victim. Melanie Winterflood, prosecuting, said Parkinson was released in May this year to serve out the rest of his sentence on licence. Miss Winterflood said Parkinson voluntarily agreed to wear a buddy GPS tag which enabled police to track his movements. She explained as part of his conditions Parkinson was meant to stay at Braley House but after spending some time there he had left and not returned leading to his being recalled to prison. On May 2nd at 8.40pm, it emerged Parkinson had cut off the tag, disposing of it in undergrowth, where police later retrieved it. Miss Winterflood added, it is quite a unique offence. 
Parkinson, who admitted criminal damage, represented himself during the court appearance on Friday, September the 15th. He told the court, I was happy to be released. Once in the community, I didn't feel ready. I admit it and accept the consequences. Parkinson said he had taken advantage of the rehabilitation offered in prison and was in a much better place for when he was released at the end of his sentence in June next year. Magistrates asked if Parkinson had cut the tag to get back to prison. Parkinson admitted he had. Parkinson added, I should have dealt with it in a much better way. Jane Burton, chairperson of the magistrates' bench, said... I understand when you are released, it is a bit daunting. Don't fall into that trap again. Parkinson was given a 12-month conditional discharge warning the defendant if he committed another offence in that period, he would be doubly punished. Parkinson was ordered to pay £440 compensation, the costs of the tags. Magistrates said... Police had rented it from another firm and were liable, so he should pay again if it comes out of the public purse. Much mirth round the table, ladies and gentlemen. Right, um, just a bit of a warning before I I read this story then. Um, The headline is Removing Big Spiders Guide. It is the job most of us dread, removing large house spiders which have scuttled into our homes to mate in September. To find out an easy way to remove them, we have asked Worcestershire Wildlife Trust for advice of what to do and also what to avoid. According to the Trust, larger spiders wandering around houses and gardens are typical for this time of year. For many species, the autumn season is the time of year when they mature and also when the females are full of eggs, making some spiders much larger. Wendy Carter of the Worcestershire Wildlife Trust said, By far the easiest way to remove them is the old glass and card technique. Simply pop a glass over them and gently slide a piece of card under it before taking the spider outside and releasing it. Of course, for some people, even this is too much as they can't get close enough. In which case, a spider-friendly partner, child, friend or neighbour may be required. People might want to encourage them towards a door by gently prodding with a stick, feather duster, broom handle. But this can result in the spider moving in an unpredictable direction. Wendy also emphasised the -the behind-the-scenes work that spiders do in homes. There are many folklore suggestions as to how to prevent spiders in your house in the first place. Perhaps the most popular is to put a conker in the corners of each room. But we know of people who have not had much success with this. I have. I I can vouch for conkers. It works. Spiders can eat you out of house and home of other unwanted creatures, so you may want to think twice before trying to prevent them from living in a hidden nook or cranny of your house. How to tell the difference between male and female house spiders. House spiders have chunky but relatively small brown bodies with black markings with long hairy legs. You can tell males from females as males have smaller bodies, longer legs and larger pulps to transfer sperm to female spiders. 
Worcestershire Wildlife Trust encourages the public to submit their wildlife sightings across the country on its website. If you wish to submit a sighting or have a species identified, you can visit https colon forward slash forward slash www.worstwildlifetrust.co.uk forward slash wildlife hash sightings. Well, I don't mind moving spiders. I think it could be a career move (laughs) and a nice little earner. (laughs) Sue. Uh, Fund Tops 50k for Good Causes, a community fund of one of Worcestershire's leading independent estate agents, has topped 50,000. Nick Hall & Co, which has offices in Droitwich, Worcester and Malvern, began the scheme in 2021, giving £12,000 to community groups in its first year. The firm provided twice as much support in 2022 with a total of 24,900 and has donated another £13,200 so far this year. Managing Director Matt Nicholl, who founded the business in 2009, said that helping people to buy and sell homes I've always felt rooted in our community and this motivates me to make a difference wherever possible. I spearheaded a crowdfunding effort in 2014 that saw 16,000 raised to build a children's play area in the Lido Park in Droitwich after an arson attack and it's always been a good good to see families still having great ta- great time there nearly 10 years on more recently we donated 100 pounds to the Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust for every instruction that signed up during the co- coronavirus pandemic pandemic and gave amazon tape tablets sorry to three local primary schools to support online and remote learning this led to the establishment of the Nicol Company Community Fund, which has now donated over £50,000 to community organisations and projects across the county. Matt added, We established the fund to make a difference across Worcestershire. Now, for every property we sell, we offer to donate £100 to the school or local community organisation of our seller's choice. The fund exists to help local schools, projects and initiatives in and around Worcester, Droitwich and Malvern that our clients care about and we do too. Sometimes our vendors leave the choice to us and therefore we welcome applications for support from perhaps the less well-known local organisations via our website or email community. So far, the Community Fund has helped a wide range of beneficiaries, including schools, community groups and local animal charities, alongside the more familiar Worcestershire Homeless Appeal, the food banks in Droitwich, Worcester and Malvern, Acorns and the St Richard's Hospice and Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust. Another one of Nicole and... Co's successful initiatives this year was the big Worcestershire garage sale, 
with more than 30 streets signing up to join together to declutter their homes and sell unwanted items as part of a mass event. Matt said, This was so successful for the first attempt that we aim to repeat it every year now. Our community involvement will always be an essential ingredient in our business model. It is in our DNA. You can find out more at https-www.nicolelandco.uk/communityfund. Well, now we've come to the end of this evening's recording. I do hope you've enjoyed hearing all the articles and the useful information. Many thanks to the team, to Moira, Sue, myself, of course, of course. <laughs> and John. Also, of course, the admin team who work so hard in the background. We hope you'll be in, able to tune in for next week's offering. So for now, from us all, good night and goodbye. MacMahon, Mary Veronica, known as Maureen, sadly passed away at home surrounded by her family on the 25th of August 2023, aged 88 years. The funeral service has taken place, but enquiries to Lee Russell Independent Funeral Directors. Roger Allen passed away the 30th of August 2023, aged 75 years. The funeral service has taken place. Terence Reginald Walter Davis of Northwick Road, Worcester passed away peacefully in hospital on the 23rd of August 2023, aged 91 years. The funeral service has taken place. And Pamela Gear, nay Vesper, formerly of Kays, passed away peacefully on the 27th of August 2023, aged 81 years. A private committal will take place at Worcester Crematorium, followed by a service of thanksgiving at Woodgreen Evangelical Church on Monday the 25th of September at 3.15pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice. Diana Mary Beddle, nay Griffiths, wife of the late Edward Beddle, passed away on 11th of September 2023 after a long illness. Funeral service to take place at Witchenford Church on Tuesday the 26th of September at 12pm, followed by a burial in Witchenford Churchyard at 12.30. Rosemary Cottrell, a Bredicut and formerly Flyford Flavel, passed away on September the 12th, 2023, in Worcester Royal Hospital, aged 86 years. The funeral service will take place at the Church of St John the Baptist Kroll on Friday, October the 6th at 2pm, followed by burial at the Church of St James Bredicott. Family flowers only, please. Anne Sheen, beloved wife and mother, passed away on the 4th of September 2023. Her funeral will be on the 26th of September at 2pm at Old St Martin's Church, the Corn Market, Worcester. William, or Bill Stallard, 
sadly passed away September the 11th. Funeral service to be held at Worcester Crematorium Thursday the 19th of October at 1pm. No flowers, donations to the Salvation Army appreciated and black dress not essential. Dennis Byron Walters passed away suddenly at Worcester Royal Hospital on 28th of August 2023. Griffiths Bryan passed away on the 2nd of September 2023, aged 76 years, beloved husband of Joyce. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 26th of September at 10.45am. Donations if desired for cancer research. Hopcut Thelma Emily Jean sadly passed away at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on Monday the 28th of August 2023, aged 94 years. The funeral has taken place. Donations, if desired, can be sent to the British Heart Foundation. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, St John's, Worcester WR2, 4LE. John Troughton, formerly of Worcestershire, passed away peacefully at home in Cornwall on the 30th of August 2023, following a long illness. He will have a private cremation and anyone wishing to kindly donate to charity in John's memory can do so to Parkinson's UK or the Guide Dogs for the Blind.